beautiful people and welcome back to Wildcard Conversations! If this is your first time tuning in, let me quickly explain to you what this is all about. Every episode I pull a random card with a question for my guest. They don't know what's coming and I don't know what's coming, it's kinda wild. Hence the name Wildcard. I really enjoy these meandering, organic, one-on-one conversations. I love listening to people's stories, I love learning from them. And so I created a positive space for my guests to share what's on their hearts and minds. And hopefully you, dear listener, walk away with some food for thought or feeling connected to my guests and their stories. Today I am joined by Chris C.J. Chandler. Chris is a holistic health and performance coach who is clearly very passionate about and very good at what he does. Along with sharing some personal stories, Chris naturally put his teacher hat on and I was very happy to be his student. I learned so much about the pillars of holistic health, the difference between working out and working in, the importance of having a dream and so much more. So if you have been looking to step up your healthy lifestyle game, you have come to the right place today. If you want to hear more from Chris, you can find all his info in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you want to help this podcast grow, please hit all the subscribe and follow buttons you can find. Give it five stars and maybe even take a moment to leave a written review or tell a friend about it. And now, without further ado, please sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Chris. Welcome to the podcast. So happy you're here. Thank Hi. you for joining me. I, Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I like to always start the podcast by telling people how I met my guests. And funny thing, I haven't even met you in person yet. So we no. connected over Instagram over a common interest that happened to be me going down a rabbit hole looking for uh, Rudolf Steiner ha- hashtags. And I stumbled upon your post recommending his book and started following you. And then I said, Hey, this guy looks interesting. I want to talk to him. Yeah. I appreciate that. I remember when you uh, followed me that morning and, uh, and I noticed too, when I automatically go to the person's page and you don't follow a lot of people. So I really sort of take that as a compliment. You have a lot of followers, but uh, I'm like, wow, she followed me. I like that. I remember I responded to you, I think, and thanked you. And then you thanked me for my authentic content. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, it was just a nice connection. Sometimes social media isn't all bad. Just a little FYI for you, the reason I have, I don't know, 8,000 followers or something like that is I was on a reality TV show a few years ago. So it mostly comes from that. So it's it's interesting because I know kind of where 90% of my followers come from and I appreciate that they're there, but I don't necessarily feel super connected to them. So it's interesting that you talk about sort of the, quality of, of followers or how, you know, how it matters, how many you follow. It's a, it's a weird world, social media, but I appreciate your, yeah, I appreciate your mindfulness about it. Well, it's obviously you resonate with a lot of people, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of what I meant by that. Um, I try not to look at the following, but at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping I'm connecting with as many people as I can that are like-minded. And I think that even if those followers may seem you know, not the organic followers, but you obviously got to a certain place for a reason and attracted that for a reason. So yeah. good on you. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. I say we dive right into it with the random question of the day. Let's do it. Okay. Let's see what the card has for us. Okay. Where do you find peace? Wow. You know, in a number of places, I would say for me lately, it's been waking up every single morning and watching the sunrise. 
-hmm. at least when the sun is rising, when it's not cloudy, uh -huh. but that's been a path I've been on. I basically, I lost my mom recently. She passed away last August. And so for me, I've been trying to do as much of that, you know, finding my happy place as much as possible, love coaching and so forth. But as far as me personally, where I've been gaining really sort of, I feel like I'm equalizing myself is when I'm outside early in the morning and that sun's coming up. And I just absolutely love that. It seems to just give me a certain energy, which there's actually real scientific reasons behind, behind that too, obviously. But at the same time, just starting my day like that has been everything to me lately. I love that. And it sounds like you live in a place where you can do that and see the yes. sunrise. Uh, I live by the beach. So I'm lucky in that way where I get a nice sunrise over the water and there's a little pier I can walk down. And that's been my morning moving meditation. And it's really kind of gotten me through some tough times too, actually. There obviously seems to be a, a spiritual connection aspect to it since you mentioned the passing of your mom in this yeah. context, but you just mentioned a term moving meditation and I know what that means, but do you mind telling the people what a moving meditation is? I think when it comes to well, movement in general, most people will associate movement with exercise and with, you know, the output of energy. So I think it's equally important to move you can still move and actually collect or build energy. So a moving meditation to me is moving, but you're also cultivating energy. So it's slower, you know, so it's more of a beach stroll than a beach run, right? It's focusing on slow breath. If anything, kind of trying to turn my brain off and just be in the moment and, you know, listen to the ocean and just try to be present as present as I can. I always find that when I'm by the ocean, I find it really easy to be present because I'm just, so in awe of the rhythm of the universe because when I'm by the ocean I feel that connection to the other people on this planet because I'm like someone is standing on a shore right now in a different time zone and yeah. having the same experience that I'm having right now and maybe working through some difficult emotions or maybe just happy or maybe having the time of their life on the surfboard and so yeah so to me a moving meditation is just uh what we call working in versus working out. Working in. I've never heard that term. I like that. That's a term coined by Paul Cech. And, uh, but I love using that because it's, it's really important to, you know, to have balance there. And uh, if you're, if it's all output and there's nothing and you're not, you know, getting any energy or cultivating energy on the back end, you know, eventually you're going to reach a point where, you know, you're going to be forced to slow down. So yeah, uh, moving meditations are, or working in, are definitely just as important and even more so now, especially in the world today with stress being so high. So you just mentioned uh, the name Paul Cech. And before we started recording, uh, you mentioned that you have been a student of his with, I believe it's called the Czech Institute. So yes. tell me a little bit more about those teachings and what you have, what you have learned from that over the past three years and how it's changed maybe your approach to coaching. Wow. Good question. Um, I'll try to make that brief because it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. I stumbled upon Paul Cech originally back in the late nineties uh, through a teacher, um, my original mentor, Kevin Lewis. And I started watching one of his stability or Swiss ball videos. He's like the father of the Swiss ball. So mm -hmm. if you've ever worked on a Swiss ball, which I'm sure you have, yes, I have. Uh, he's one of the guys that was first really introducing that, especially to athletic sports teams, you know, getting them out of the segmented training and then getting them into realize they need to be stable to stabilize. But yeah, Paul Czech, he basically is the creator of the Czech Institute. Gosh, where was I going to go with that? 
I kind of got lost what I was saying there for a second. I had a couple different threads going. So anyway, okay. when I first stumbled upon him, kind of fast forward, always kind of followed his teachings, but never, you know, knew that the Czech Institute was in Carlsbad in California, but I couldn't get there. So I was always taking other classes. Long story short, it came to a period where I was able to finally uh, hop into the Czech Institute. And for me, that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was unbelievable. Basically what what I love about him is the fact that he brings both worlds to the table. He's really bringing both sides, the yin and yang of, of fitness, basically. When I first got into fitness, I think it was it was really all based on bodybuilding too back then. And Paul Cech was the first guy that I really saw that, that uh, really was trying to change the industry from being about building muscle mass and just losing body fat to the fact that we needed to be functional. The way those routines were designed and the way we were training our bodies then, basically one piece at a time, if that makes sense, he kind of came in and made us realize that we need to have stability. Um, we need to have core strength. We need to be able to stabilize our spine properly to move properly. And, I, and my mentor at the time was kind of on that same page, but it was very anti what the whole industry was doing. So I remember in the 90s, I was one of the first trainers using a balance board with my clients. And one of the first trainers using a Swiss ball with my clients in a gym. And a lot of people, I remember, thought that that was kind of strange. But I kind of hung in there and just kind of kept doing my thing because I just felt like it was true. Anyway, fast forward, I eventually got to the point where I got to learn from Paul Czech personally. And now I'm in, the, in my third year at the Czech Institute because they developed a program where you can do a lot of stuff online. And then you just go a couple times a year and do your stuff in person, your internships. So I'm basically just finishing that up right now. So what I love about their coaching methodology is it's half holistic lifestyle coaching and half movement. We're not going to move properly if we don't know how to breathe properly. If we just focus on body fat and muscle, there's so many things we're missing as far as overall health, if that makes sense. So that's what I really feel like he showed me. That's about the best I can describe that really. That makes total sense. And it's interesting to hear you say that you're probably a few years older than me. And me as an athlete, I never questioned the existence of balance boards and Swiss balls. And right. right, that was just part, you know, there was still the traditional isolated exercises, biceps, triceps, bench press, and all of that. But the balance and the core strength was definitely always a big part of of my training. So it's interesting sure. to hear you say that that was a brand new thing in, in the nineties. And that's kind of blowing my mind right now. So how did you make the decision after many years of training and coaching people that you wanted to go back to school and deepen your understanding of that holistic approach that's focused on, on stability and balance. Right. I'm mainly coaches and, and most certifications even require that you're doing a certain amount of continuing education credits, you know, to maintain certain certifications all throughout the nineties and the early two thousands, I was certified by the national Academy of sports medicine. And uh, you might've even heard them. They're one of the most popular personal training certifications out there. And, and a good one, great place to start. And then I studied through the NCEP, National College of Exercise Professionals in Manhattan Beach, Mike DeMora, wonderful guy. He's also kind of off the Paul Check totem pole. And that's when I really started getting into what we call functional training, right? Because before that, and that's kind of what I was saying is that when, when bodybuilding ruled the fitness world, and there's nothing wrong with bodybuilding, it's just that it's really, it's not really how you want to train if you're an athlete, right? You know? And I hate to say this, but in my personal opinion, nothing against bodybuilders, I love bodybuilders, but they're not athletes per se. 
like a tennis player is, or like a basketball player is, or where you're really having to move and you need agility and you need to be able to change direction. Those forces don't line up with training on a machine, right? You need to be using real gravity. What would like, I call it machine strength versus real world strength. The two don't translate. When we started training that way, especially in big gyms and sports teams, there was a, the injuries really went up. And when we, and if you look at the statistics, if we go back and nowadays, if you go into a, a modern, even a sports team facility, you're going to see stability balls, you're going to see medicine balls, and you're still going to see barbells and that stuff too, but you're going to see all of it. Right. If you were to go back in the nineties, you wouldn't see as much of the other stuff. And Paul check is one of the key reasons why. Yeah. I never knew yeah. that. I'd never heard his name. So thank you for educating me on that. Yeah. He, he's obviously pretty important to me. I keep mentioning his name, don't I? <laughs> yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Bodybuilding is really about how your body looks versus functional training is about making your body function well. So the clients that you work with, do you work mm -hmm. with a whole range of people and what brings you sort of the most reward where you feel like you are of most service when you work with your clients? Great question. Let's see. I started getting, I became a personal trainer in 1993. Can't believe it. 54 years old now. Wow. You know, nowadays I try to, I think I can help anybody. I would say nowadays I've always loved working with seniors, interestingly enough. And I've always loved working with people that were maybe a little bit of a challenge to some other coaches or weren't successful with other coaches, or in some cases that coach didn't even want to work with them, or maybe wasn't qualified to work. I liked taking on some of those tougher cases and working with that older person that some of the other trainers didn't want to maybe work with. And I've always sort of embraced those clients, but I've also worked with athletes. I've worked with, you know, a couple of actors. I've worked with a couple of people on the new anchor people on the news. So I've worked with a variety of people over my, my 25 years plus. And also now, because I'm over 50 myself, I would say that I kind of have a passion for, and that's kind of maybe my new niche is really focused on people that are over 50, but are still athletic and still have some game left or would like to get their, you know, get back into the game, so to speak. I think we're also in American society. It's definitely one that I think generally is obsessed with youth and staying young and high performance. So I think it's wonderful that you focus on the group that sometimes tends to be a little forgotten or there's this, this subconscious understanding that they're less valuable and less capable. And so to focus on getting them back in the game, like you're saying, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it wasn't even something that I really targeted. It was something that kind of just started coming my way. If you approach me, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to try to help you and, and I'll do my best. And that's one thing I've always done. And I wish other coaches would try to do is if they get a little over their head with someone, you can refer them to somebody else. And if anything, they'll respect you. You're not going to lose that client. So over the years, I've also been able to create a pretty good circle of care to where if I can't, uh, if I can't help them, I can at least point them in the, in the generally right direction. Tell me about a, a maybe a recent client where you had such a big reward from helping them overcome or, or getting back to a certain version and regaining maybe a certain function of their body that they didn't have before. Does someone come to mind? Gosh, yeah, lots of, you know, that's the wonderful, wonderful thing about my career now is I get back to, I get to look back on a number of things like this. That's why I'm still a coach. That's what rewards me the most is when I can help somebody kind of get to another level. And when I look back, boy, there's a lot of different things there because I've helped athletes get back going. I, but I would say I trained a gentleman for almost 20 years. That's when you know you're a co coach for a long time is when clients you've had for a long time are like pass away. 
<laughs> so I had a client that I worked with for over 20 years, two to three times a week. Other coaches might have other testimonies of this great athlete they worked or whatever. But for me, what stands out is this gentleman during that time, and this was probably around 2000, was also trying to quit smoking at the same time and make all these health changes. Well, often when we quit smoking very suddenly, that can also cause some, some issues. So he's actually started having some heart issues and he ended up having to have triple bypass surgery. He didn't have any family. So I ended up taking him to that surgery. And long story short, I ended up taking him to three different surgeries over a you know, 15, uh, almost 20 year coaching period where we worked together. He eventually retired in, in, uh, in Mexico a few years ago, and he just recently passed away, unfortunately. Mm. But I will say that the fact that I was able to help him rebound each time because he ended up having some very complicated surgeries and he was able to rebound each time and get his life back and able to move to Mexico, which I was sorry to see him go, but that was his big goal is to be healthy enough to move there and mm -hmm. live the life he wanted to live. And he was able to make that happen. That's and awesome. I just like to say that I was a little bit of a part of that. Yeah. I'm even a little bit emotional about it because it's interesting the, the relationships we, you know, that I've built with my clients over the years, a lot of my clients I've worked with for over a decade or longer. Yeah. I've helped, I've helped some athletes do some cool things and so forth, but this really probably maybe stands out the most to me. This gentleman was really facing some health challenges and was willing to do whatever it took because he wanted to live. Yeah. I was recently pondering that, right. The willingness to do things without a guarantee of getting there. I think we live in a society of instant gratification. So it, it's tough to get into that space of just doing something for the sake of, like you said, of wanting to live and wanting to function and wanting to be yes. able to move to a new place. And I've just recently been thinking about that. And that's certainly been a struggle for me the past, God, 11 years since my basketball career ended. I always said I used to love training and all the things, you know, weightlifting and cardio, because it contributed to me being a better basketball player. And then sure. once you took that motivation away, for some reason, just being healthy, as stupid as that sounds, wasn't enough of a motivation. And then it, sometimes it takes getting older and becoming more aware of maybe your mortality to realize that that is the reason to train. That's the only reason is yes. really to be healthy and maybe make a little contribution to, yeah, to, because we're not in control yeah. anyway of how long we live, but you might, yes. you, you can, you might as well control the little piece that you can. And that's why it's so important to have a dream. It's part of what I coach. And if somebody doesn't know what their dream is, then I ask them what their biggest fear is, because then that becomes the goal. And sometimes it's interesting. It sometimes takes those things to motivate somebody. You know, yeah. like my client, I was mentioning, it took him to get to a point where he had some health issues to, to finally realize that he needed to take care of himself in a different way and to make some lifestyle changes. You know, he, his back was up against the wall a little bit at first. So hopefully we can, because if we don't have a dream, it can get a little difficult to keep moving forward. And it, it can be even little, little things, right? But that's one thing I know that in my life, like after my mom passed away, my life for a while was about kind of helping her. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, well, shoot, now what am I going to do? You know, sure. So I had my business and my clients and stuff like that, but I, my, suddenly my, my paradigm shift and I'm like, well, what's my dream? What do I want to do now? And um, I think that that's really, really important. And we have to keep setting goals and keep what we call at the Czech Institute, staying on your dream line and understanding that if we get 
too extreme one way or the other. We, there are two forces of the universe, yin and yang. And if we're too extreme over here, we have to have the presence of mind to know that at some point we need to come back to the middle road or, or what we call the pain teacher will show up. Yes. Yes. A little analogy, which is really cool that if you are, if you're continuing to push extremes one way or the other, whether that be pushing your body or not paying your bills, uh, if we're indifferent, things are usually not going to be synchronized and flowing, right? Yeah. I always say, you know, the universe will give you little hints that something is out of alignment or out of balance. And if you don't listen, yes. it'll just whack you over the head and force you to listen. You mentioned the need for having a dream. So what is your dream now, Chris? Wow. So my dream is, I'll be honest, it's, it's, well, it's not private. It's just one of those things that I'm really trying to meditate on and cultivate and not scatter the energy of, if that makes uh -huh. sense. But my ultimate dream is to create a retreat. And my mother, before she passed away, she wanted to buy a piece of land and call it the avocado ranch. I like there's that. There's a long story. Long story behind that, because growing up as a kid with my mom, it was all about avocado sandwiches. That was our favorite. And then when we um, moved to Malibu, when I was a kid, we had an avocado tree in our backyard. Anyway, long story short, we, she wanted to call it the avocado ranch and she never got to realize that dream. So now it's, it's part of my dream. So this retreat that I will, will create will be called the avocado ranch. Even if it just has one avocado tree in there or uh -huh. even a painting of an avocado tree in, in there somewhere. It will be called the Avocado Ranch. And it'll be a place of holistic learning, a place where people can come, rejuvenate, eat good food, exercise, obviously, uh, learn a little bit about their body, learn about their hormonal cycles and circadian rhythm cycles, and you know, do things like a little sun gazing and do some saunas and get in some ice ice baths and do some breath work and learn, do a little corrective stretching, and then you know, maybe at night, everybody watch the, you know, watch what we did during the day and have a meal and, you know, that type of thing. Sign uh, still, me up. I mean, there's some of these already happening, of course. Um, and I used to work at a retreat. So part of my dream is my past, one of my dream gigs I had in my life. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I had the dream job, which I still consider myself the dream job, but I had, I had a great gig. And so I'm, I want to take that experience I learned from that and put it into this as well. That would be my dream. It's still pretty, obviously, kind of, I'm still trying to coalesce and, it. And I appreciate you sharing that when you feel like it's not fully baked yet and you still want to meditate on it. But I, sure. I do appreciate, I saw you sort of catching yourself and choosing your words very carefully when you said, I will create this retreat versus I think sometimes we're like, well, it would be cool. Like, that'd be really nice. And you obviously are aware of the power of the mind and the words that we choose and speaking things into existence. It's my latest fashion fascinations, to be honest with you, how important it is, how we, how we say them. Interesting. You caught that too, but not surprised. So yeah. So, but there's little sub dreams within that dream too, you know? Yeah. So obviously you have to, you know, keep moving the little things forward to keep the, you know, to keep that big dream alive. You, you keep saying the word holistic, and it's such a buzzword and it's an important word. And I have my own understanding of it. I would love to ask you how you understand the word holistic and, and what it means to you. Well, it, you know, it's almost unfortunate in a way because the word almost seems to have kind of a stigma on it. Right. But the word holistic just to me, very simply broad brush stroke, if I'm explaining it to a 10 year old is just that our system, our bodies work together as a whole and we tend to isolate right? We tend to isolate symptoms 
especially pathologies and illnesses, right? Which sometimes we need to do so, like your knee, right? Sometimes you need to treat the knee, but ultimately it's, it's crucial to reintegrate the knee back into the entire system. So um, I look at that way with just about everything else in the entire body. So sometimes we need to isolate something, but eventually the whole needs to take over. And so that's really all that means to me is realizing that the body is a is series of holistic systems that all work together. And you can also be doing some very simple things to make sure those things are happening before we do all these isolation things. Yeah. Right? Or just realizing that at some point, no matter how, whatever condition you're dealing with arose, that at some point it has to be reintegrated to the whole or else you're probably going to get another symptom. Does that yeah, make sense? It totally makes sense. I mean, it just as simple as you mentioned the knee, my knee, right? That's been definitely my biggest source of pain, you know, as an athlete and ending my, my basketball career and everything. But yeah, obviously just as simple as from those surgeries and going from a hundred to zero, everything just got tight and shorter in my in my legs and my thighs and my feet and my hip. And then I'm sure from the hip, it radiates up to my core and into my shoulders. And then I'm sure it goes the other way. When I carry stress in my shoulders, I change the way I carry myself and I change the way yeah. my skeleton is aligned. And then that radiates back down. So it's just, yeah, it's all tied in. It's yeah. all tied in. And then you add the mind to it. And then you have yes. a whole other level of holistic so no matter what it is in the body, sometimes it has to be isolated, but eventually it has to be reintegrated into the whole, no matter yeah. what it is. So that is, in my opinion, the main definition of holistic. You could break that down a lot more, but just broad brush stroke. It's about just realizing that, that our body is a series of systems that integrate and work together. And again, sometimes they need to be isolated or symptoms need to be isolated, say it's an illness, but eventually you're going to need to, like, for instance, if you are not sleeping well. Well, then you are not going to get the most benefits out of your exercise. Sleep is the antagonist or melatonin is the antagonist for cortisol. If we're always producing stress hormone and never producing re repair hormone, something's going to break down. Yeah. Another example of a holistic system that needs to be working together. And I can go on and on and on about that. <laughs> so tell me more about sleep from a selfish personal standpoint here. I have never been a good sleeper in my life. So what are some secret tips to, to sleep better? Well, the main reason most of us aren't sleeping well is because we are producing more stress hormone again than we are producing re repair hormone. So typically our sleep cycles will work with our main stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. When the sun pops up in the morning, those hormones start to rise and we gain energy. And conversely, our melatonin starts to decrease as we come out of our sleep. Well, later on in the evening, as the sun goes down, our cortisol and our stress hormones are supposed to drop. And that's when our, the antagonist or the opposing hormone melatonin is supposed to rise, mm -hmm. right? And we start to wind down for the evening. The problem is both of those hormones are very, they're dictated by light. That's why it's so important. Another reason to get out early in the morning. That's where we get our melatonin uptake through the photoreceptors in our eyes, which sounds crazy. It also tells our body what time it is during the day. And that's what starts the process of our circadian rhythms or our biological clock. And there's little distinct pieces. So that's how we make sure our clock is on time. And then in the evening, when the sun goes down, our melatonin is supposed to rise, but we make one big mistake. We tend to turn all our bright lights on in the house. Mm -hmm. And so, and our stress is sometimes a little high or we're working late or we're on the computer or, you know, whatever. So most of us, our cortisol isn't dropping till much later than it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Therefore, melatonin is rising much later than it's supposed to. And so that's going to make it very, very difficult to get 
good rest or good sleep. There's things you can do, um, obviously getting up in the morning and getting early sunlight that helps to set the clock. And then in the evening, catching a sunset because those amber tones tells our body what time it is very fast. We turn the bright lights on in the house though. The body still thinks it's daytime. Really part of the main problem that we're all dealing with is blue light and stress hormone being produced too late and melatonin not rising early enough. I also almost just when you were saying that it, it's so simple, right? And, it, and that's the fascinating thing about yes. a holistic approach. You know, you can get into spirituality and circadian rhythms yep. and all of that stuff, but you can also look at it on a very simple it's very scientific bio too. <laughs> biochemistry, right? There's, yeah. there's all of it to yeah. it of it, your cortisol needs to drop and your melatonin needs to rise and then vice versa in the morning. And I was just laughing to myself because I almost feel like in places like New York city, where I'm currently living, it's almost like the game is rigged against me, right? Because in the winter, the sun rises late and it sets early, but my day doesn't end yet. Right. So then automatically I'm in a space of artificial light and then it is the city that never sleeps. So (laughs) there's that too. And even more stress and even more stress because honestly, wintertime, we're actually supposed to be in a little bit more hibernation mode, you know, from the previous, from the earlier part of the year, when we were out, when we're out kicking butt, so to speak, we're really supposed to be more in, uh, now here in Southern California, we're more Mediterranean. So we don't have, you know, the distinct seasons like other places in the world, but still, you know, wintertime, we're supposed to be a little bit more in hibernation mode and summertime, we're supposed to be in a little bit more out production mode. Something to keep in mind because you definitely don't, you, you don't want to burn yourself out. That will always take a toll and that will open the door, little door for things like, you know, getting sick you yeah. know, because that's going to affect your immune system. Obviously. I mean, me, honestly, I never get sick if I get my sleep period. Right. It's only when I'm lack of sleep, I get a little rundown and that's what will sometimes open that little magic doorway. I definitely relate to that and just stress too. Like when, you know, I don't get sick often anymore, luckily, but when I do, I'm always like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like I've been stressing myself out. I haven't been sleeping well. And then of course the immune system never gets a chance to just go to work and do its, you know, work its magic. Especially if we're not doing the simple things, you know, and a lot of us are doing these complex things. Like we're taking all these like supplements and doing all this stuff. We're not doing the the basic fundamental stuff and that you can't put stuff on, on a poor foundation. That foundation just has to be there at least to, or just don't expect your best results. And if we know that, at least we know that. You know, but a lot of us don't know that we're not conscious of it. It always starts with the self-awareness, right? Like I know I need to turn my phone off and put it away to at least eliminate one source of artificial light late at night. It's such a simple thing, but it's, it's hard to do sometimes. But before I do that, I don't need to get into the rhythm of the universe aspect of sleeping if I can't even eliminate a source of artificial light from my evening. Exactly. And little adjustments like that are huge. Like I tell, you know, my clients to wear blue blockers. Well, that's not always, I mean, some people are, you know, oh, wow, that's fascinating. They're all in right away, but other people are like blue blockers. Uh, I don't know. That seems a little, so I just try to plant a subtle seed and then a little bit later on, bring it up again. If it's somebody who's a little more, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying into that or whatever, but yeah, but again, you know, these are some things that are, what's interesting because it's those holistic things that are so important. And it's a lot of those things that we're not doing we're not all that healthy right now. I think we sometimes try to think we are like here in the United States, I hate to say it, but we're, we're ranked like 50th in the world or something like that. Right. And there's such a focus, like you said, on the complex thing, things sometimes, like there's such a trend right now for biohacking and early disease detection and manipulating your genes and all of that stuff. And that that's great. I'm all for 
bright minds exploring new possibilities. But again, like, let's just try to go <laughs> back to the basics here sometimes. Yes. can never hurt to go back to the basics. You also mentioned, and I think this is true too, that there's such a stigma almost against a holistic approach. And I feel like that stigma is one way because you will never find a person who is passionate about a holistic health approach who says chemotherapy is bullshit or you shouldn't get that surgery, right? Like you wouldn't tell your client who needs a triple bypass surgery to be like, dude, we'll just, you know, we'll just make a go away with a moving meditation and some careful cardio work or whatever. You appreciate the value of modern Western medicine, right? But it doesn't go the other way around. When you have someone going to a traditional doctor, they almost discard the value of holistic approaches. Yes. And again, it almost has that kind of stigma on it. We almost need to find like a new word for it. I even joke with some of my clients. I'll tell them, oh, here's some more hippie shit for you. Mm -hmm. Because it almost has that feel certain things. You talk about circadian rhythms and you talk about, you know, holistic health or some of these terms, you know, breath work. But these things at the foundation, I mean, obviously respiration is the key to everything, right? And again, if you're not breathing properly, that's just a whole nother rabbit hole. You're going to have some problem. And so, you know, people might not buy into that right away, but when they see the magic after a few days of box breathing, and then they go and get their blood pressure checked when they're at the doctor and the doctor is asking them, Whoa, what are you doing? It's, it's really cool. And you see it. What is box breathing? Okay. So box breathing is basically just a technique of, so basically as far as breath work really quick. The main thing I teach people is to breathe more through their nose and to breathe less with their mouth. Most of us are over breathing with the mouth because we are stuck in a stress, a stress response pattern that causes us. Like if something happens, usually you'll, you know, mm -hmm. take a breath through the mouth because the body needs a sudden, it needs more what we call tidal volume to deal with the stress of that situation. But the problem is, is that can get stuck just like any other neural pathway. We can get stuck in that pattern. And if it's not corrected, um, it leads to a lot of problems. So the first thing is diaphragmatic breathing, breathing through the nose to the belly, then to the chest. So it should go two thirds to one third belly first. So we get the diaphragm going, the diaphragm should actually pull the air into the bottom of your lungs. Most of us are breathing like this, <sighs> taking upwards of 30 breaths per minute when we should be taking like 10. When we breathe more through the nose, we get a lot more oxygen, oxygen in the system. And we also get uh, nitric oxide uptake. Um, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. So what I do first, is I teach people diaphragmatic breathing, just to get that nice, simple breath. Don't inhale with your neck, inhale with your belly. So I'll usually do teach, have them do like a five second in and a five second out mm -hmm. and just get the feel of diaphragmatic breathing. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and try it real quick. Just a nice deep inhale to the nose, to the belly first. You should feel the abdominal wall go out and then to your chest second without a shrug and then exhale completely all of your air. That's another thing a lot of us aren't doing is we're not getting a full exhale. Mm -hmm. So we're not fully detoxing. And by the way, when we exhale, that's a major form of detoxification that has to be happening. Um, that has to happen. So then box breathing is just taking that a step further where we're going, say, I'll usually start people with five. So we inhale for five, hold the breath for five, exhale for five, and then hold the breath at the bottom for five. So what that's introducing is number one, it's slowing down your breathing a lot. It's making you breathe through your nose, use the diaphragm, 
but it's also inducing a 15 minute breath, excuse me, a 15 second breath hold. And most people find the first time, like I was just doing it with my sister and she found it difficult. Like she already wanted to take a breath before Mm -hmm. she got to the, you know, and so she, she's like, wow. And once that got in her head though, it bothered her a little bit or it challenged her and she didn't like it. And so she's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, that's because you're anxious and you're tight. She's also going through menopause and has four kids and her life's, you know, crazy good, but crazy. And so I have her doing a lot of box breathing and just from box breathing alone, she's lost like 10 pounds just from focusing on her, her breathing. Cause again, it's how we even lose weight. What we're exhaling. Yes. I don't realize that, uh, most weight loss actually comes through our exhale, which is another fascinating subject. And, uh, but yes, respiration is huge. Box breathing just slows down the breathing. It's inducing a breath hold. What that's doing also is allowing you to adapt to stress. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing more stressful than not being able to get a breath. Mm-hmm. So you're training that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. So then what I'll do is I'll make those times a little longer. Like I'll go, usually tens are the longest I'll do with somebody. And then I also do breath holds too, or apnea training, where we'll do like a, we call super V breathing and really oxygenate the system and then do a breath hold and I'll time it. And I like to be around the three minute mark. And if I'm around the two fifteen. Mark, I know that my, my system is stressed out and I needed, it's also a gauge for you. you can right. Use. I totally relate to what you said about your sister, because I, I get that too. I, um, when I do, you know, guided meditation that includes some breath work, right. And, and the person counting is going slow and maybe it's a six count or seven count or eight count or five count like you, and I can't keep up. I get frustrated and I'm like, what's wrong with me that I can't even breathe in and breathe out for five seconds. Right. And, and then the human response when you get frustrated is often to leave it alone. Like, well, you know, do something else that's easier because again, instant, instant gratification that we want. I hear a lot of people when I talk about meditation, it's like, well, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. I can't sit still. It's that thing, right? The you're trying something and you're not getting it instantly. And you're like, ah, eh, man, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. When it- that person needs it the most too, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That could be something that's, you know, a little weird at first, but when you feel that, that should bother you. Yes. And if it doesn't, <laughs> and if it doesn't, well, that explains a lot too, you know? That's so true. You know, I know that it's not like, so I have clients, they like, I can't always take them down that rabbit hole right away. They sometimes even think it's boring and you don't want to bore your client. You know, so if I sense that I'll, I'll have to shift and get into something, keep them more interested, but then I'm always planting that seed because ultimately it's the literally like getting back to the Czech Institute. We have a totem pole and breath other than your dream breath is like the second thing on the totem pole. And if you don't have your breathing together, good luck with everything else. I definitely don't think like I have my breathing together again. I, I haven't been able to develop a consistent practice yet. I sort of, I try one thing and I do it for a few days and which is also why sometimes when I go and I share about the benefits of of meditation or breathing, I, sometimes I feel like a fraud (laughs) because I'm like, well, you're not doing it consistently. (laughs) Well, just to let you know, I don't have my breathing all together either. Well, that's good to know. You know, and, 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 you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm my, I'm one of my toughest clients. Part of why I teach what I teach is, is some of the stuff I've dealt with myself, anxiety issues and being, you know, a little awkward in social situations, you know, my mind going blank on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, things okay. like that, you know, kidding. But, but, the, but the breath is, and, and that's also, speaking of which, something that will always recenter you. Yes. Uh, when we're distracted, that's something you can always come back to. And honestly, I'll, I'm just saying that right here. It's the first thing that everybody really needs to be focused on, or at least understand that, yeah, we need to breathe, but it's way deeper than that. We need to breathe properly and we can control our breathing. It's like a magic button. So if you're doing a little bit of that and just being mindful, like even at a red light, you know, and you've got, take a deep breath, just do a quick assessment. Oh, wow. I'm a little shallow. Okay. You know, especially if you got something big coming up, like I did a little, little breathing right before our, our appointment. Cause I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. It just helps to center a little bit. And by the way, I wanted to mention really quick that the main pillars of holistic health, getting back to that original question, there's three yin and three yang. Okay. Tell me about so, them. Most people need to focus on the yin ones because we're overstressed. We need to, most people need to let a little air out of the balloon, so mm-hmm. to speak, not everybody. And the first thing that's important is to, is hydration. So we want to make sure we're hydrated. Obviously that's important. And that's right up there on that totem pole too. And we need, you know, plus and minus, but on average about half our body weight in ounces a day. You've probably heard that Some people a little bit different, but on average, if you take your body weight and cut that in half, that's about the ounces of water you need a day or it gets you pretty close. There's different types of water quality. God, water is another rabbit hole, plastic bottles, glass, you know, filtered, uh, reverse osmosis. You know, there's all this other stuff, but in general, we know we need to be hydrated and half our body weight in ounces a day. It's also the, one of the main ways our body detoxifies itself. That's a yin principle. Same with nutrition. That's how we get our energy, right? It's how we get the building blocks. We are what we eat literally and sleep. So the three yin ones are hydration, nutrition, and sleep. Mm-hmm. And those are the three right now. Well, if your stress is really high, those are the main three places somebody needs to start, not with a CrossFit class or not. No, most people are stressed out, not saying they don't need to exercise, but it's actually not the top priority hydration, nutrition, and sleep is because that person needs to, to de-stress and calm their system down before they're going to get any results from more stress. Then on the other end, you have breathing movement and thinking, and those are the yang principles. Breathing's kind of both, but breathing is considered yang because it's, it still takes effort. It's still a movement. I almost consider it both because we need to use breath to downregulate so we can use it yin, but it's technically a yang principle because it is movement. Uh-huh. And then the exercise itself, movement, and then thinking. Thinking is a huge one because of our mindset is obviously very important. And that comes down to the dream part, tying that back into the dream. And these are literally the six foundational holistic principles of the Czech Institute hydration, nutrition, and sleep, and breathing, movement, and thinking or mindset. And if you're checking those boxes regularly, well, amazing stuff happens. It's pretty interesting. Sounds so simple. I kind of went down a deep rabbit hole with that. You asked me something very simple and I ended up going down the hole. That's what this podcast is all about. It's going down rabbit holes. We started with a question about where you find peace. And here we are talking about the six holistic health principles of the Czech Institute. It's simple, but it's all, it can be complex. Doing the simple things, we don't have to always think about that complexity because our body finds a way to really do things really awesome when we're getting that sunlight and getting out into nature and breathing and getting staying hydrated and you know and having a good mindset and you know adequate movement. A lot of people need to work in with their movement and not work out with their movement. And I say that reluctantly because I love to train, but it's so much about managing stress. It's so simple, right? Hydration, nutrition, and sleep, sleep. and then breathing, exercise, and thinking sounds so simple, 
but sometimes the simplest things are so hard to do. And I just had this thought that, like you said, you don't need a CrossFit class, right? But that stuff is sexy. You know, like that's the thing you want to post about on Instagram is your CrossFit class, your biohacking, your whatever stem cell treatments, right? Like that's the stuff that our egos love, right? The drama of it all, because the simple stuff is boring in quotation marks, but that's the stuff that ultimately will give you a life that's less than boring. That's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because part of the problem too, is it's simple. Sure. It seems simple, but it's not really in the mainstream narrative. So that's part of the reason. Yeah. It seems simple, but if you haven't heard it, how would you know? And then when people hear these for the first time, they're like, oh my gosh, of course, you know, yeah. it uh-huh. makes perfect sense when it's laid out for you that way in a very simple way. So that's basically what I start with, with coaching my clients is making sure they're checking those boxes, especially the hydration, the tr- nutrition, and the sleep. The nutrition has to be there. You can, you know, you can't take all these supplements and not have a, that base foundation. You know, we need to eat real whole food, yeah. you know, that came from the planet that came, that was grown in good soil. People are starting to realize that you're seeing a little bit more and more about soil sustainability and, and how important that is, you know, and our food doesn't have the same nutrients that it once did in it. But yeah, if you're checking those six boxes regularly, and then if you're super stressed out, focusing more on the yin, the hydration, the nutrition, and the sleep, some people are the opposite though. Some people during this period have gotten quite stagnant. And so if you're the opposite in that category, ramp yourself up with the breathing movement and your, and your mindset, because often you might be a little depressed in that situation. Most of us, we need to focus on all six really. But again, if you know, most people are, a lot of people are burning themselves out. A lot of my trainer friends are great athletes and so forth, but they're not getting enough sleep, Yeah. you know, and they're, and they're, you know, I'm guilty of that myself. I have five clients in a row or whatever on a morning. I'm not getting my, you know, I do my best to keep that in balance the best I can. We try our best. No, but what's that? I said the struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, the struggle is always real. And I think, you know, for everyone, but I, I like the simplicity of it in that it's so simple to check in with that. A, with the just breaking it down between the yin and the yang, like what does that even mean, right? Because it's that's another term that we talk about so often and to really give it some form and an image, the working in and the working out aspect of it, to be able to have that to reflect on, I think just that can be extremely helpful. Do I need more yin right now or do I need more yang right now? And and, exactly. And then once you figure that out, you're like, okay, which part of it do I need to focus on the most? And you break it down from this, ugh, I don't feel good to okay, here's one very simple thing that I can do. And then we call actionable items. Do the things you will do first. If you're a coffee drinker and you switch and you can get your glass of water before your coffee. That may sound like just, but that's a big adjustment, you know, getting to bed one hour earlier or like there's so many tiny adjustments, you know, winding down the lights a little bit in the evening, you know, like in my house, we have our bright LEDs when we have friends over, but I, in my room, I have like old school incandescent bulb and I have a lava lamp and I have a salt lamp. I like those amber tones. And Mm -hmm. honestly, when's the last time you sat in front of a campfire? You get drowsy pretty quick, don't you? Yeah. Well, when's the last time you've sat in front of a lava lamp? You sit in front of it every day, but I was just laughing because it brought me just back to lava lamps being the hottest thing that every teenager wanted to have in their room. So it's- well, I was raised by hippie parents. And so I remember them when I was a kid. And it's funny you say that because I just, just a couple of years ago, happened to stumble upon them on, on Amazon. And I bought a few, one for myself and for a couple of family members and kind of a gag gift, but uh-huh. everybody... Yeah. I love mine. They're really, they're, they're making a comeback. 
I think I'm going to go on Amazon and buy some blue light blockers and maybe a lava lamp. Yeah. I mean, you know, and talking about yin and yang, and again, it's one of those terms, circadian rhythm, you know, it, it, again, it can sound kind of, but it really, you're just describing again, proven by science, even you're, you're describing the two main forces of the universe. And if yeah. you, if you're too yang, you're going to need to come back in at some point, if you're too yin, you're going to need to, you're always going to need to ping pong back and forth and come back to that middle road at some point, which is your true repair mode. Yeah. If you're too on this extreme, it doesn't matter what it is. Something's going to break down eventually and you need to bring it back to the middle. So that's really all that yin and yang is about is just describing those two forces of the universe that we're all dealing with on a constant basis. And if that day was super, super physical, you need a rest day. You need to, yeah. So just understanding where you're at and what your particular life is like and trying to find that balance. Honestly, that's, that's the key in my opinion, because yeah. that's what's going to reduce the stress, reduce the cortisol and all the stress hormone, allow the repair hormone to actually do what it's supposed to the melatonin, the HGH. And if we're always producing stress hormone, because they're antagonists, we can't make repair hormone at the same time. So you see why we're, we're low on testosterone and you know, why we're having some of the problems we are hormonally is because we're complete stress addicts. We sure are. Well, you've definitely given me a lot to think about. And you, you held up the mirror for me where I can make some simple changes in my life. So thank you for that. And I'm trying to do the same. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all your knowledge. And, and also that you said that, you know, you don't have your breathing together. I think that's another thing that's so true is that we always teach what we need to learn ourselves. Right. So yes. th thank you for sharing that, that humility. I think we went down quite a road here and I appreciate it. So I think we can wrap here and I have one last question for you. So Chris, what has this conversation taught you about yourself? Well, it taught me that I get a little bit nervous right before podcasts, um, takes you out of my comfort zone a little bit, which I highly recommend people get out of their comfort zones a little bit. Well, first of all, it was super, super cool to connect with you. I surely enjoyed this and thank you so much for inviting me on. And if anything, I don't know, I just got a, I, I just got a good general vibe from this conversation. And I got some nice information from you. And hopefully uh, I passed on a, a little back. Kind of cool to, you know, talk to somebody about holistic health, you know, that I've actually never met in person. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, a number of things. I loved it though. Thank you so much for, for your time on this Saturday morning, spending an hour, hour and a half of your morning with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that is ultimately in today's world, I think giving someone your time is probably the, the biggest gift we can give. So I really appreciate receiving that from you. So thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks again for being on. And I, I enjoyed this conversation a lot as well. So thank you, thank so, you so much. much. Thanks so much for having me. Hopefully we'll do it again soon.